We think women need to talk more openly about money because money really matters. It shouldn't be embarrassing or confusing. Join the conversation. We'll be discussing a whole range of topics which will help you get comfortable with your finances. Money Matters, brought to you by AJ Bell. Hi, welcome to the Money Matters podcast. I'm Laura Suter and I'm joined as ever by Danny Houston. Hi, Danny. Hi, Laura. Um, as you know, this podcast is all about helping women get comfortable with their financial lives. Um, we've discussed all kinds of topics from buying a house, childcare costs and divorce. Today, we are talking about the menopause and how it can impact a woman's working and financial life. And Danny, this is something you've got firsthand experience of, haven't you? The impact that it had on your kind of work and financial life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had very young kids when I first started to go through the menopause and I was in my late thirties. And and honestly, I just put it down to the fact that I was absolutely shattered. You know what it's like, young kids. And um, I went and saw my doctor who actually was brilliant and said, you know what, let's just go and get a blood test and check your hormone levels. And my hormone levels were completely collapsed. So they basically said, yeah, absolutely. This isn't perimenopause, early menopause. This is actually the real deal. And for a little while, I was thinking, fine, no problem. My periods have stopped. That's it. But no, I started to struggle with sleeping. Um, You know, you've seen those cartoons, Laura, where women get a hot flush and they suddenly sort of go bright red and and it's all very funny. Mm. It's not funny. It is like you have been set on fire from the inside. But the bit for me, which was really impactful on my working life, was my brain. You you remember when you had a child and we talk about baby brain? I mean, I'm still claiming I've got that two years on, but (laughs) I don't know if I can blame the child at this stage, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd heard about baby brain, but I hadn't heard about the menopause impacting your brain in the same way. And I got to a point where I really struggled to remember things. And I was working in live television at the time, and I was doing a lot of live broadcasts where you have to remember huge amounts of information. And suddenly I just didn't feel as confident as I had felt and decided to make the move into radio again because it just meant that I could have my bits of paper in front of me, my scripts and my notes. And that's what I did. Now, I was lucky because I actually managed to progress my career and earn a bit more money. But not everybody is the same by any stretch of the imagination. And some women find this period really difficult and it impacts their working lives negatively and you can fully understand that if you think about some of the things that you've talked about there being kind of physically uncomfortable having this brain fog maybe not having the confidence that you had before having this exhaustion it's entirely understandable that all of those things would have a knock-on effect on your working life um but everyone's experience is different and we actually did some research to kind of pull out some of the impacts that it had on um, women's lives so we did a survey of more than a thousand women who either were going through menopause or had already gone through it and we found that more than a quarter said that the menopause had hindered their work life in some way and actually that impact was much more acute among women who were working full-time with 42 percent saying it had a big impact on their work life. I'm really not surprised that confidence is the thing that takes the biggest knock. And 
6% of people said that they'd had to reduce their hours because they were just really struggling with being able to, to do the job and, and the symptoms of the menopause. And I, and I must stress that everybody's symptoms are, are different. And 15% of people, which is was quite a big um, sample of, of people, said that they needed to take leave or a holiday from work. And really worst case scenario, 4% said that they'd had to change jobs or had left work entirely. Which is massive when you think four in 100 women going through the menopause felt that they couldn't even continue working. Um, you can see the dramatic impact that could have on, on some um, people, some women's lives. Um, but if, with all the talk of kind of the tight labour market at the moment and the government is on a campaign to get more people working more hours and particularly focused on that kind of over 50s age group, getting more of them back into work and going from working part time to full time. This feels focusing on this feels quite timely. And actually, um, it's global menopause month this month in October. So it's all very timely, Danny. It is very timely. It's totally planned that way. <laughs> Despite the fact um, there's been an awful lot in the media over the last couple of years about the menopause, I'm thinking particularly about um, Davina McColl did um, a, a documentary about it. And Louise Minchin talks an awful lot about her experiences with the menopause. And some employers, including AJ Bell, have now implemented a menopause policy it is still a difficult subject to talk about. Uh, we talk about taboos on this uh, podcast quite a lot, and, and it is another taboo. Yeah, definitely. And I think we've seen that a little bit when we've been having internal discussions about doing this work. Some people um, feel a little bit more reluctant to talk about it or are not quite sure how to phrase um, the conversation. And so I think there's still a lot of work um, to be done, isn't there? And a bit later on, we're going to be talking about some financial tips on dealing with the menopause in case that's something that impacts your working life. Um, with our survey showing that one in 10 people have been financially impacted um, by going through the menopause. But we're also going to be talking to Joe James, who is AJ Bell's head of HR, about how to create a menopause policy. And actually, I started with kind of what a menopause policy is, because I think a lot of people won't who haven't come across it yet and haven't gone through the menopause won't be aware of what one is. And I was actually quite surprised talking about not knowing what a menopause policy is. I was quite surprised that we did an event um, a few months ago and a young woman came up to me at that event and said, what is the menopause? And I was quite surprised by that because it is something that all women go through, but th there's no shame in not knowing. There's no shame in asking those questions. And that's why we're doing this podcast. And that's why we hope more women will talk about it and more employers will do menopause policies and put up posters and, and that kind of thing and have a discussion. Um, so I've been chatting to Sarah Coulson from Halcyon Therapies, which helps women deal with a whole range of issues, including the menopause. And I asked her what the menopause is. Sarah, thanks so much for joining us. Um, we're going to talk about the impacts that the menopause has on women's working lives and their finances as a byproduct of that. But I know a lot of people are still saying, just explain what the menopause is. So could you just 
give us an idea, a really basic outline of what it is? Yeah, of course I can. Um, firstly, thank you for having me. Um, so yeah, the menopause is essentially a stage of life that, that women go through that takes us from what I like to think of the spring and summer years to autumn and, and winter. And it is just that it's a natural transition. It's not a medical condition. It's not something that routinely needs medical intervention, although some medical intervention can help, which we'll talk about later. Um, but yeah, it's a natural transition and the body sees lots of changes during that transition. So you will have heard people talk about things like brain fog, uh, short term memory loss, um, so it makes it sound way worse than it actually is. But there's also things that we don't really talk about, things like um, pain and bloating, irregular bleeding, all the different changes that are happening to our menstrual cycle. So it's it's sort of the opposite then of puberty, which is it something is. that my teenage daughters are just going through. It is. It's exactly the same. It's just as natural and it impacts different women differently as well. So exactly the same as puberty. Some some teenagers or adolescents fly through puberty seemingly without any problems. Exactly the same with menopause. Some women seem to fly through it. Some people, some women don't fly through it, but just appear to be. And some people really, really struggle. So um, whatever, however you're experiencing it, it's real. However you're experiencing it is a valid response to the menopause but try not to compare yourself to others because it is exactly like puberty. People experience it completely differently. So we are talking about menopause a lot more than we used to do. Yes. Uh, in the past, the, the sort of vision of a woman going through the menopause was always, you know, that, that cartoon sketch where a woman from her toes to the top of her head suddenly goes bright red and has to stand outside in the freezing cold. As yeah. someone who has been there, I can tell you that that is absolutely part of it. And my kids did used to laugh at me, but yeah. it's by far the only symptom. And yeah. what we found in this particular survey that we've done with women in terms of how this impacts their working life, mm -hmm. it is that brain fog. It's that sort of feeling that you're slightly off from how you used to be, which then impacts how they feel about their ability to do their job and also their confidence. Definitely, definitely. So many, in fact, I would say the vast majority of women I work with who are going through the menopause, it's not the symptoms per se that are the issue. The, the symptoms they tend to find annoying. Um, it's the fear of the symptoms when it comes to workplace. So things like having to miss work because they're worried because they've got a big meeting and they're worried they might forget something or um, one of the things we don't talk about with menopause is the irregular bleeding and the flooding that can happen with menopause. And when we talk about flooding, we mean an uncontrollable bleed. Um, that's we, we, we know that the menopause essentially stops periods, but in that transitional period, you can get some unpredictable bleeding. And for many women, that's enough to make them take a couple of days off work because they don't know when that bleed's going to happen. So if they're at work and that maybe the toilet facilities are too far away or they're stuck in a meeting or they don't really even know what to wear, which is something so simple, but so, so crippling that's impacting on so many women. Bloating, again, that's something we don't tend to talk about, but is a very real symptom of menopause. And again, things like that can prevent people from going into work because it's something so daft, you can leave work, uh, you can leave for work in the morning being a size 12 and come back in the evening a size 16, 18. It can be that dramatic a shift. So rather than have to face that at work, a lot of women come to me saying, look, it's, it's either that or I'm going to have to take even more time off. Um, but we do, obviously, we do have the, the symptoms like the brain fog and the fatigue, which physically do impact productivity at work as well, because 
um, or it can do, it doesn't have to, stress and anxiety make these symptoms so much worse. So the more you're stressing about it, the worse it's going to get. It's exactly the same with the brain fog element. So women are worried about the brain fog. They're, they're worried about forgetting things at work, which is impacting massively, which is making them take time off, which is making them be less productive, which is cyclical. People get into a cycle then of the symptom, the fear of the symptom, the symptom increasing, the increased fear, and it's just like a never-ending cycle. Before we get on to what workplaces can do to help women who are going through the menopause to, to put things in place, simple things like having a fan on the desk, yeah. what is out there in terms of medical help? Because I know for me, um, I went through menopause early. I was in my late 30s and I did end up having a, a bit of a fight to get HRT. I think I initially I dismissed it because when my mum used HRT, it didn't really work for her. But of course, that was a long time ago. And I didn't feel like I had enough information. I didn't feel like my doctor was able to give me enough information, enough time to make those decisions. And, and it was only after um, listening to, to a radio interview that I was like, oh, well, maybe I should go on HRT. And for me, it was, I'm back, one tablet. Yeah. And I felt like I was back. It doesn't work for everyone, but yeah. it's an option. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really important message, the fact that HRT doesn't work for everybody, because I think certainly recently the, the conversations have increased around menopause, which is fabulous. But HRT is being touted as the answer and it's one of the answers. Um, and HRT can come in different forms as well. So it's really important if you're if you want to go down the HRT route, which is you know absolutely fine. Like you say, it's a, it's a, a literally a godsend for for so many women to get the right form of HRT as well, the right dose and the right form. I've heard a lot of people trying to almost like self medicate by by um, kind of assuming that they, their friend takes this HRT, so it's the HRT that they're going to get. But actually really take time to speak to your doctor if you can and understand exactly what dosage what type of hrt is going to be beneficial to you um you also raised another really important thing that we don't talk about as well or that's clouded in stigma people think that um the menopause is just something that women aged 55 and, and above go through but there are so many younger women either going through early natural menopause or menopause due to other gynecological conditions as well um, and so in, that, in, in those cases, HRT, if it's a natural menopause, HRT will be the solution. If it's your body's response to or even a treatment mechanism for another gynecological condition, then HRT won't be suitable at all because that will just exacerbate the symptoms. Um, so it's really important not to dismiss somebody because they're younger. If they think they're going through menopause, if you think you're going through menopause and you're younger, don't dismiss it and say you're not old enough because that, that's an old fashioned rhetoric really so that's a really important point you raised um yeah and in terms of other things that are out there there are natural ways as well that you can sort of help you have a happier menopause as possible um the big one is stress and anxiety because like i say that that makes things so much worse so try and eliminate as much stress and anxiety as you can so we know that more and more companies are implementing a menopause policy mm -hmm. uh, we've got one here at aj bell we know that there has been a big push to try and get more women over 50 either back into the workplace or to work more hours. So clearly from an employer's perspective, it is worth putting these measures in place. But, but what yes. can a workplace do? 
Flexible working is a big thing. So if, if um, somebody is struggling with things like bloating and flooding and irregular bleeds, if they're able to maybe work at home instead of taking a day off, that can be a huge, something so simple, but can, can make a massive difference to that individual who's, who's kind of faced with the fear of going into work. Um, things like yeah, fans on desks to, to help with the, the hot flashes or the hot flushes because they are real. Um, I've been through it myself, so I, I know how real they are. It's not just a quick kind of, oh, I feel a bit warm. It's an all-consuming, isn't it? It's all-consuming feeling like you're going to explode. <laughs> yes, and it starts right at you. I mean, it is like it really the cartoon. Does. It starts right at your very toes yeah. and sort of creeps up your body and you yeah. do feel like you're actually on fire for a yes. little while it's so true and you, you become more sensitive to heat changes as well so if you can have it and I know this is sort of an expensive option but if you have a, a heating system in the workplace it's consistent so you're not getting those extremes of temperature as well because you do as well as the hot flushes you do become extremely sensitive to temperature change as well which is something again that people don't really realize but um yeah having cooled water as well can help um, in the workplace, if you have a water filter, would be a cold water filter or just a nice accessible cold tap of drinking water, which sounds daft, but something so simple doesn't happen in a lot of workplaces. Awareness raising posters as well. I know that sounds daft, but just raising that narrative around it, changing the rhetoric that this isn't, women shouldn't feel useless. They shouldn't feel different people when they're going through the menopause. This is a natural transition. Things will change, but if they feel supported in the workplace and they feel able to talk about it, then that can make so much difference. It is still in some cases a taboo subject, Yes, but clearly it's impacting lots of women. And if we can have discussions like this, maybe more women will be able to completely avoid the issues at work and with their finances yeah. and that's of course a, a just a good thing yes yeah definitely so thank you very much for for continuing the conversation as well it's a very important one to be had thank you thank you so sarah Coulson there from halcyon therapies and i learned a lot from that interview because even though the menopause is definitely something that's on my radar i mean danny you talked about the fact that it's been in the news and in the media so much more i think i'm still quite ignorant to the impact that it can have and the kind of full effect um that some women can experience because it seems like it's so far away and you know for me it came completely out of the blue. And I was lucky because I was working in an environment where there were lots of women, lots of older women. And consequently, it was a topic that I, I didn't feel was taboo. It, it was a topic that I could talk about. But I have also found through those conversations that no two women's menopause journey is the same. And I think it's really important also to say it's not something that affects you just for a few months or a year certainly in my case, um, it was a good seven years. Uh, and I think for that reason, it's really no surprise that what you said there, that it can impact women's financial lives. And we've spoken a lot of times about how the gender investment gap is impacted by life events, things like taking time off to have children, which can have a real impact on a woman's financial life. Well, this is just another one of those paths. Yeah, and if you think about the kind of time that menopause can hit, obviously it varies for um, every woman, but if we think about the fact that we have that big impact, if you choose to have children, you have that big impact on your career in your kind of 20s, 30s, um, then menopause could potentially hit in your 40s or 50s. You can see how those, big, those two big financial hits could kind of merge into each other. 
And if we think about menopause affecting women, maybe on average between 45 and 55, that's the point in many women's lives when they might be thinking, okay, I've got a bit more spare income, my children are grown up, I'm um, a bit more stable financially, and I now want to stuff my pension pot full of money before I retire to kind of bolster my pension pot. Actually, if they take a financial hit from going through the menopause, that's really going to impact their ability to do that. Um, And it's actually worrying that when we spoke to women who had gone through the menopause or were going through it, um, almost 60 percent said that they didn't know if they had enough money for retirement or they knew that they didn't have enough money for retirement. So you can see how that financial hit around that time in your life could have really long lasting impact. Yeah. And it's it's never too late to start thinking about your finances, figuring out what you've got and where and whether it's enough. Um, I know at the moment we've been talking about the cost of living crisis uh, a lot and it is hard to find spare cash for a lot of people. But lots of women in their 40s, you know, you've still got 20 years of work where you can be adding to your pot. But I think it's really important that we're not just saying, all right, if you're in your late 30s, 40s, think about the menopause because if you can think about it much earlier on. So for younger women to say to them in your 20s, think about the menopause, think about having kids. It might be easier to think about having kids. Certainly it feels closer. But if you can start adding a bit more to your pot in your 20s, you've got all of that time to get that interest growing. And it can then give you a cushion to deal with any potential disruptions to your earning potential. And it's something that could stand you in really good stead. Yeah, and I think it's kind of just good practice to be aware of what you've got saved and where as well. So that you, if you know that you're gonna face some financial issues or if you get to the point where you want to take a bit of a break in work um, while you're going through it, at least you already have a very clear idea of what money you've got, where it's sitting, how much you've got saved for retirement. And there are so many good kind of calculators online now that can project, okay, you've got a pension pot of this amount at this age. And if you carry on contributing X amount a year, this is what you'll be left with. And I think as much as possible, if you can engage with that, engage with um, where your pensions are, for example, maybe consolidate them all into one, um, then it means that you can go into some of those um, decisions with a bit more eyes wide open about your finances. And it might actually mean that you're better off than you realise you are and you can take that breathing space and kind of um, go through that and give yourself some time. Um, so, yeah, that's a, a good idea, whether you track that through just a spreadsheet or um, just kind of checking in every year or so and seeing where you're at. I love that you say track that through a spreadsheet because... You know I love <laughs> spreadsheets. And I just know that actually isn't a normal way that people track their finances, <laughs> is it? It's it's not. That's not very relatable. No. Okay. Well, you all just get me to do it through a spreadsheet. I love an opportunity <laughs> to set up a new spreadsheet. <laughs> I might send all my stuff your way because, um, yeah, <laughs> spreadsheets. Um, I, I've had to get used to them, and and I can now understand the beauty of a good spreadsheet. But um, if you'd have asked me that question ten years ago, I would have just you know walked in the other direction. <laughs> But we know clearly that um, helping women to stay in work, helping them feel confident when they're going through the menopause, that their employer has their back, that they can talk about it, that there are things in place. It, it can only be a good thing, not just for employees, but also for employers. 
Yeah, definitely. So I've been chatting to Joe James, who's head of HR here at AJ Bell, um, to talk about what a menopause policy is, how employers can build them, um, but also some tips on what employees can ask their employers for if they're going through some of those difficulties we talked about. So Joe, thanks for joining us. It's estimated that between 75% and 80% of menopausal women are in work in the UK. <laughs> so we wanted to find out more about what employers can do to support women um, who are going through that process. <laughs> so I've heard a lot about menopause policies, but could you just explain what exactly they are? Sure. So like other people policies, a menopause policy is really stating what the employer will provide in terms of support for its um, employees who are affected by the menopause and how that support will be given. Um, effectively, it's a clear reference point for all parties um, that, you know, so everyone knows what, what should be provided. Good policies also provide wider context about educating and informing people like line managers about things like symptoms and, and you know, what, what expectations there are of managers to support their staff. So can you give us some examples of things that might be included on that policy? I imagine it's a bit like a maternity policy in that different companies will offer different perks and, and different support. But yeah, could you sure. give us an example of some things that might be included in that? So, for example, you know, it, it'll lay out why why the business has the policy, what it's trying to achieve. Um, again, a good policy will also provide some definitions. So to help people understand, you know, what um, menopausal symptoms look like um, and also, you know, what, for example, like early menopause can look like because um, not everybody's aware of all the symptoms that go with it. So, you know, again, it's going to depend whether, you know, you've got experience either yourself or through perhaps say members of your family um, as to, whether you know what's what's going on um, and beyond that it you know it can talk about symptoms and also as well you know what responsibilities there are for people and and, and what adjustments you know a, a company might want to make to help people in the position you know where they are struggling with menopausal symptoms. So what are some of the kind of simple changes that an employer could make to help oh women um, in work that are going through the menopause? Yeah so I mean it, it doesn't necessarily have to be you know really um, sort of extensive things it's talking to the individual really about their their personal circumstances because anyone going through the menopause it is a very individual experience um, even if there are, there are sort of common symptoms that are um, experienced so it may be something like you know reasonable time off to attend um, medical appointments which could include counselling for example um, it could be temporarily adjusted workloads you know depending on what sort of uh, experiences somebody's having at, at a particular time if somebody's off been off work for a longer period of time perhaps a phase return to work to bring them back up to their full duties that kind of thing um and everyone like you've said everyone kind of has a different experience of, of menopause so how do you design a policy that that meets all of those different experiences from one extreme to the other I guess sure so I mean I suppose at sort of basic level, the, the policy needs to acknowledge that everyone is different and that um, will different require different levels of support and different types of support as well. So effectively, it becomes an overarching policy, um, but then can also be applied to individuals based on their circumstances as well. So which is how a lot of policies are written, to be honest. So. Um, and what about the financial side of things? Obviously, if we think about a parallel kind of policy would be maternity pay mm -hmm. and different companies would offer different, mm -hmm. um, you know, levels of pay for a certain amount of leave. Is there kind of a financial side to these, um, to these menopause policies? 
So I think that will depend very much on the organisation. Um, at the moment, the majority of firms will manage um, menopause um, sickness absence uh, or menopause-related absence through a sickness um, policy, which means you know it'll link to company sick pay or statutory sick pay. Um, so perhaps you know this is something we'll see evolve over time, um, particularly as the population gets older and a greater proportion of the working population is older. Um, firms, of course, can apply a discretionary policy um, now if they want, but there isn't sort of a, a parallel policy um, to say you know maternity pay at the moment. Yeah, because a lot of people um, in the survey that we did reported having to use either unpaid leave or sick pay um, as a result of going through the menopause and, and still mm-hmm. working. Is that going to be the best option for most people at the moment um, until we see kind of potentially mm-hmm. companies bringing in specific pay for that? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would suggest probably in a lot of cases, it's probably going to be the option that they have at this point in time. Um, and that's not necessarily to say it is the wrong um, approach but you know businesses have to find a way to to support people and and this is probably the the obvious route to go down um where it could be better managed for people is perhaps where the reasonable adjustments piece comes in that you know um people find ways to help women who's who are dealing with symptoms at particular times maybe maybe you know certain points in a month etc that you know that's where you know say changing workloads or changing working patterns, for example, for a temporary period could actually reduce the need to take absence, you know, whether that's sickness absence or unpaid leave. So it's it's really about both parties coming together, I would say, and, and seeing what options there can be. And if you're someone who's at work at the moment, who's going through the menopause and, and is struggling, what what are some of the kind of realistic things you could ask of your employer? I think lots of people just wouldn't even know where to start with kind of having that conversation and on what they could ask for from their employer. I know it will obviously differ employer by employer, but what are some mm-hmm. of the good kind of starting points? Sure. I mean, the first thing I would suggest is always check to see if your company does have a policy in place. So sometimes these things can be well bedded into the uh, intranet or something like that or in the handbook. If there isn't a policy um, or, you know, a direct policy about it, you could also say look at the sickness absence side of things as well. Um, But if not, um, so the ACAS website is actually a good place to start um, in terms of information. It has a specific section about menopause and work. And what it may do is help people to understand, um, you know, the rights um, and also how they might be able to speak to their employer about their specific um, symptoms. So, um, you know, so there's a whole raft of information and and there's other information online as well. And if somebody doesn't feel comfortable, you know, speaking directly to their manager, for example, as I imagine in some cases that, you know, particularly um, if it's not somebody, you know, you've got a a long-standing working relationship with, um, you know, an obvious point, if you're in a large organisation and speak to say someone in the HR team, or perhaps occupational health um, as a starting point. But if you're in a small, smaller organisation, a starting point might be to put something into writing first, perhaps say send an email to start the conversation and then ask to pick it up. If that's not going to be a viable route, then maybe there's another senior manager or you know a senior colleague who might be able to facilitate the conversation for you as well. Yeah, I think that's a really important point because I think a lot of people might not realise that the support that their company might have or just might feel a bit paralysed by not wanting to speak to their direct boss about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a really important point to, I guess, essentially just find out the information you can and see what support is available. Yes, yeah, yeah. 
Excellent. Thank you so much for explaining all of that. It was really good. Thank you. Some really fantastic tips from Joe, and it's great to hear her experiences as well, because sometimes I think having that real life knowledge can help companies if they draw on their employees' knowledge. It can make a huge difference. Uh, and Joe is very passionate about the subject, which I think has really helped pulling together uh, AJ Bell's policy. Um, and I have to say that of all the stats we got out of the research, um, it was a survey that Opinion carried out for us in, in August. I was most surprised by the fact that 84% of women who were either going through the menopause or um, had been through the menopause said that either their employer didn't have a menopause policy in place or they weren't aware that they had one. So I'm going to have to confess here, I didn't realise that we had a menopause policy in place at AJ Bell. Obviously, I'm very aware now. I think because it's something that's kind of in the future for me, maybe I wasn't so engaged with that. But that said, I think even in my kind of early 20s, when I was starting out in a company, I probably would have been slightly aware of what their maternity policy was, which is a kind of similar parallel, maybe not the details of it. But I guess menopause policies are quite new things. And it's just really interesting to learn how employers can support women, but also, you know, the kind of things that you can ask for as a woman of your employer, if you feel like you need more support. And it was fascinating talking to Sarah a bit earlier on because it can be just such simple things. Uh, and I mentioned earlier about my experiences with hot flushes. And um, I, I do remember my kids laughing at me when I was um, cooking a, a dinner in the kitchen at roast. And it would be boiling hot in the kitchen and I'd suddenly get a flare up and I'd have to go and stand outside sometimes you know it was snowing and and I'd be out of the glass door and they would be looking at me on the other side and just laughing but simple things like a fan thinking about air conditioning can make such a massive difference and I think it's great that we are now talking about the menopause in exactly the same way that we talk about maternity policy and when we first started uh, discussing doing this podcast, I, I had to sort of stop and think, am I okay with sharing my experiences? Because I'd never really spoken about it before. And I think it gets easier every time I write something or talk to someone about it, it, it becomes more okay. Uh, and I think if this podcast doesn't do anything else other than make women aware and make them feel that it is okay to talk about it then that is a massive step yeah and if you do have any kind of questions or comments that sparked off the back of listening to this podcast then definitely get in touch with us um, you can find us on instagram at aj bell money matters or you can email us on money matters at ajbell.co.uk and we'd also love to hear from you if you have any suggestions of areas that you want us to cover in the future um, any questions you want us to answer um, anything like that then do send it over and do give your friends a nudge if they haven't discovered the Money Matters podcast just yet. We cover issues from all stages of a woman's financial life. And our aim really is to, to make talking about money easier. And we'd love you to subscribe to the podcast if you don't already, but also to our newsletter so that you don't miss an episode. And you'll also get sent lots more great content, articles um, and interviews and things like that. So just Google AJ Bell Money Matters and you'll be able to find the link to sign up to the newsletter. But thanks very much for listening.
Thanks. Bye. Before you go, please remember this podcast is for educational purposes and the views expressed don't necessarily reflect those of AJ Bell. The podcast isn't telling you whether certain investments are suitable or not. And don't forget that the value of investments can change and you can lose money as well as make it. It's also important to remember that tax rules apply and that the way an investment performed in the past may not be the same as how it behaves in the future. If you want help, go see a qualified financial advisor.